you know, it's interesting. I have found that it is much easier. And I don't know if it's because everybody's working remotely or we're all in this together, but customers want to talk. They answer the phone. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. What's up, folks? Good to have you here for episode 18 of Manufacturing Happy Hour. Today, we're going to be talking about how a strong company culture can lead you through crisis. Our guest is Dan Stutterheim of CASA, a control systems integrator with no short list of application expertise. Anything from automotive to food and beverage to baggage handling, just to name a few. But our conversation today is not necessarily around the technical or the automation aspect of things. Would love to talk about that in the future. As mentioned, we're really focusing in on culture today as during the current COVID-19 crisis, we've been talking about wartime leadership. This is an episode that's really focused on leading through those periods of uncertainty. So what are the three things you can expect from today's show? Well, first, we're going to talk about what was going through Dan's head at the onset of COVID-19 and how he prioritized to protect not only his people, but his business as well. Second, we talk about what CASA has done and continues to do to maintain a strong culture. From culture dialogues to quarterly themes, there are a lot of actionable ideas that can be borrowed from this episode. A lot of this is focused on employee health, but we also dive into some of the nuts and bolts of the key measures that Dan uses to make sure his business is healthy as well. Finally, we'll wrap up with some of the lessons Dan has learned through his team and through this crisis and some new practices he plans to maintain moving forward. This episode is chocked full of great advice. So if you like what you hear, make sure to connect with CASA online, either at their website, casacompanies.com, or with them on LinkedIn. You can access both of those links, as well as all resources mentioned in this episode at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 18. If you like what you're hearing from Manufacturing Happy Hour, please also consider going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes to leave a rating and review for the show. That'll take you straight to Apple Podcasts, either on your phone or on your desktop, and that's where you can go leave a five-star rating. That's pretty easy to do, but you can leave a review as well, and those are the most help. Those can be as short as one sentence, but that feedback really helps me understand what type of content you're looking for, as well as giving the show some exposure to other manufacturing all-stars like yourself. Again, that's manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes to leave a rating and review. And with that, I'm excited to get to today's interview. Yes, it was done remotely rather than in person over a pint at a brewery, but that won't stop Dan and I from having a quick conversation about craft beer before we dive into today's content. Let's do it. What are you drinking, by the way? That is a little home-brewed version of Summer Shandy. My wife poured it for me. Hmm. I've never had it before. No way. So you're a home brewer also. Well, no, no, no. Home brewed meaning she made it. I didn't go oh. out and buy Lion and Kugel's got Summer it. Shandy. Got it. Okay, okay. I'm 
I am typically a Jack and Diet redneck to the core, styrofoam cup. That's <laughs> that's how I do it. All right, not not a bad. I'm doing a. Uh, the reason my drink looks like it's orange juice is I'm doing a foggy IPA from uh, Socks and Sandals, which is a beachside brewery down in Santa Cruz. Oh, now I love an IPA. Oh yeah, I've got a I've got a stock of those. It's actually technically it's American Craft Beer Week, so. The idea is to go out, support your local brewery, and buy beer for your friends. So I'm going to be sending some beer to some folks out in Texas and Colorado here uh, before the week wraps up. Nice. There is one out there. I think it's called Space Camp Hazy Hazy IPA. I think it's a California IPA. Okay. Where I'm not Space Camp. I mean, man, there's so many crazy names for beer, right? It's hard to keep up. I will say, not too far from uh, Salina over. It's where one of the universities is, I think. Yeah. Uh, Free State. Brewery. You're talking about Free State Brewery, I bet. Um, Free State's another good one. The one that I'm thinking of is, is it Tallgrass, Buffalo Sweat? That oh, that's, one? that's uh, Manhattan, Kansas, Kansas State. That's right. That's right, Manhattan, that's a good one. Kansas, Kansas State. Yeah, that's um, when I'm back home in St. Louis, Missouri, I'll, uh, I'll pick that up. Very nice. Very nice. And I could talk craft beer all day, but I want to make sure we start highlighting you and Cassis. So... Our guest today has been leading his team at Casa Companies for over 25 years. As an industrial control systems integrator based in Salina, Kansas, he and his team not only provide turnkey industrial control and automation systems to a global network of manufacturers, but they've created an incredible culture that extends far beyond the four walls of the business as well. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Stutterheim. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you, Chris. Good to have you on today, and and that was just my introduction, but in true manufacturing happy hour fashion, we want to start with a little fun. So let's say you and I are hanging out at Blue Sky Brewery in Salina, and someone walks up to you at the brewery, and they're like, Dan, what is it that you and Casa do? How do you describe it as if you're having a drink with someone at the bar? I love it. It usually depends on who the person is, but I I get pretty simple. I just tell them if you walk into any manufacturing process, uh, we are the brains behind the operation, not the muscles. So think of it as a computer system. We just do it on an industrial scale, controls and automation. I love that description. And and honestly, it's one that I don't hear used as much, but I, I say it pretty much the same way as you do. I describe it as the nervous system to an industrial operation. I love the way you simplify that. And I highlighted it a bit in my introduction. We're doing this interview in May 2020, right, as many of us are still working from home, sheltered in place, in the middle of one of the largest business disruptions we've ever seen. And when you and I were chatting before this interview, you you gave me kind of the setting you were in when this all kind of went down. I'd like you to take me back to mid-March for a second. You were at the Big 12 tournament when the news about COVID-19 was really breaking in the U.S. at that time. What was going through your head and then in the coming days and weeks after that as that went down? Yeah, the first thing was I, I was I'm a basketball fan, so I was a little bit disappointed. They were talking about actually canceling the tournament. Mm-hmm. And so I was pretty disappointed in that. We were in Kansas City. My wife and I had, had traveled over there. But I remember calling my IT guy and I said, hey, did you hear they just announced this is a global pandemic? And can we 
could we work remote? I, I hear people talking about working remote. Could we do that? Ha ha ha. We just kind of let's talk crazy here. He said, yeah. we could do it. We could do it. And within three days we were we were almost a hundred percent remote. That's incredible. That's incredible. And it's it's funny to think that as we were hearing that news, because I was just, you know, getting updates through Twitter, but hearing that the NCAA tournament might get canceled, the NBA season, all sports seasons might get canceled. At the time it seemed so unfathomable, but now it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's reality. <laughs> it's it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing how quickly things changed. And my next question kind of goes on that as well. You know, as the CEO of CASA, there are no shortage of things that you have to worry about. You have your team, you have your customers, you have sales, you have the bottom line. When it was apparent that life and business were going to get significantly disrupted, you mentioned how taking the team remote was something that you were able to do pretty quickly, all things considered. I'm just curious, how did you prioritize during in that t- uh, during that time and what did you prioritize? Yeah, we were, we were admittedly pretty disoriented. I mean, COVID, COVID it has been really hard to get our arms around and we just weren't sure of the impact because we, you know, as I compared it to 9-11 mm-hmm. and the financial crisis of 2008, you could kind of make sense of those things. You could see, you know, terrorist attacks. Okay. I saw that on TV. I know what it means. This was just not tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we started doing was our executive team, we said, okay, we're going to have two huddles a day and on the weekends just to keep up because mm-hmm. it was changing so rapidly and evolving. And from that, the more we talked about this evolving situation, we quickly wrote kind of a mini, like a mini mission statement. Okay. And, and said, so th- these are the things we need to focus on. I mean, that our, our focus was on our people keeping them healthy, the community healthy, keeping the company healthy, and then really just our behaviors as leaders, what did we want to do? And, and I remember the mantra was kind of, we got to remain calm, non-anxious, non-reactive. Mm-hmm. And if, if we can, let's, let's help our customers and, and the people out in the community, regardless of the financial opportunity, let's just find a way to help. You mentioned helping, you know, community customers. What were some of the first ways that you found that you were able to help in this situation? You know, so many people were stuck in the mud. We, we kept thinking, how do we help the hospitals? How do we mm-hmm. help somebody in, in a financial need? Um, we were calling customers. Um, I remember calling one customer. We had a connection of all places in China that had a lot of PPE. And we could get it. And I don't know if you remember, hand sanitizer, all those things were very hard to get in the beginning. Oh, yeah. We reached out to that customer and, and said, we have this connection. We can get it to you. Just let us know how much you need. They were very appreciative, never took us up on the offer. So while we offered a lot, we just never got any takers. That's fair. Uh, you know, one one thing that sticks out about what you're saying, though, is it that kind of extends beyond what you typically do as an industrial control and, and systems integrator in a lot of ways. I, I like the willingness to help and the willingness to do things that were outside of people's core business. And I think that's a great example at uh, at CASA. You know, one one thing that that really stuck out 
as I was preparing for this is just how much culture is emphasized at CAS. If you, you can't go on your website without that being one of the first things that hits you. And just in any conversations I've had with you, that's that's one of the first thing that comes up. Um, and you mentioned that you were having an increase in huddles on a business standpoint, but you've also talked about culture dialogues that you have at uh, at CASA as well. Can you describe what those are and why those are important to CASA, uh, you know, on a, on a regular basis, but maybe now more than ever? Right. So, you know, pre-COVID, we we have these culture dialogues where we we try to get through the all the employees and we sit down maybe four to six employees at a time. I sit down with them and I say, look, here's our mission statement. Here's our values. Here are our goals. We want to be a great place to work. How we treat people is of utmost importance. So I really set it up as these lofty ideals. And then I ask them, so we know that we have structures in place. We know that we might have policies, maybe unwritten policies, but where do we miss it? Let's identify the ways where how we behave is contrary to who we say we are. Mm -hmm. And so we do those throughout the year, get through all the employees. When COVID hit, we, we ramped it up quite a bit to where we wanted to meet with people every single day. Mm. And we changed the question from where do we miss our mission statement to what questions do you have? because people were scared. There was a ton of fear, anxiety, uncertainty. So we, we just said, what, what are your questions? And we'll be very transparent. We'll answer those as best we can. If we don't know the answer, we'll tell you that. Yeah. Okay. Now, this is, this is a big topic for the manufacturing leaders that listen to this show, because a lot of times these require courageous conversations it requires addressing uncomfortable questions um and if you if you can can you share a tough question that you received and how you responded because i'm sure this is something that's on the mind of a lot of the leaders that listen to this show in terms of how do i have these type of conversations especially now are our jobs secure am yeah. i going to have a job will there be layoffs is the company okay i mean those, those are the those are the recurring tough questions, the difficult conversations. And our answer has always been, you know, we're a very healthy company. We have a strong balance sheet. We've been very conservative over the years and that's really paid off. And we're going to be okay for quite a while. We've got a long runway ahead of us as far as our ability to withstand a crisis. But the reality is we didn't know what this was going to do. Mm -hmm. And we, st we still don't have, like I said, we might have our arms around it fully. So we just continue to say that. We say, look, this is where we stand today. This is what it looks like in the future. We've got to get more sales. You know, business has slowed down quite a bit. We've got to get uh, land more projects. But we're okay now. We need everybody right now. But if we don't land a lot of work, that could change. What I really appreciate about that answer is it's very transparent and it gives as much of the answers you can while being very honest that, you know, if, if we were to tell you, you know, this is a 30 day thing, a 60 day thing, we all know no one really knows that at this time. So that 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 honesty is, I think, for the manufacturing leaders out there, 
probably one of the biggest takeaways that I'm hearing from that. Another thing that you mentioned there is that you have a strong balance sheet right now. And that was another thing I wanted to ask you about because you had mentioned that you were at this time, while a lot of companies are being reactive and in survival mode, you're thinking about acquisitions, you're looking at hiring people, you're focused on people development. This is kind of a rear view mirror type question, but what do you feel the things that you did leading up to this that put you in a position where you're able to be proactive right now and you do have a strong balance sheet? Gosh, we're very conservative. Um, we don't like debt. Mm -hmm. So so the debt, we do have debt. It's not that we don't believe in it, mm -hmm. but we basically make sure that it's it's long-term favorable interest rate debt. We, we do a lot of experiments where we fail fast. So if we want to innovate, um, we find out quickly, but we never, we never experiment or risk the company for certain bets. You know, it could be an acquisition. It could be a new product, something like that. So we're just, I'd lead it up. I, I basically say it's, we're just a conservative company. And that's paid off during a time like this where it's allowing you more of that runway, if I'm hearing things correctly. Right. So the balance sheet looks good. What, what we're experiencing now is uh, slow pay. And so the mm. cash, cash is probably our biggest concern right now. Yeah. Um, we've, got, we've got a pretty big accounts receivable because all of our customers are conserving their cash, just like we're conserving ours. So that, <laughs> that puts you in a cash crunch. Well, I appreciate all the, again, on the transparency theme, these are the type of details that we don't always get on this show. And I think, you know, manufacturing leaders are probably hearing this too, thinking it's like, well, I'm glad to hear I'm not alone because, you know, as someone that serves a set of customers as well, I'm hearing the same type of pains right now. And we're going to get back to to some of the the, I guess, the business health questions as a better way to describe it here in a second. But another thing that that I learned from you when we we first chatted was you have quarterly themes in your business at Casa. Some of them have clever titles like School of Mock, where you're focused around mock type projects and things like that. I think that's really cool. But my first my question is, can you elaborate on these a bit more and why they've been important to your company? Well, what we realized was we were focusing on way too many priorities at once. If there's one thing that an engineering company can do, we, we can make things very complex. Automation mm -hmm. can be very complex. Everybody loves all, all this data. And we sat down and we looked at our monthly goals. And I think we had over 160 goals that we were tracking on a monthly basis. Different people wow. throughout the company, key individuals. You get 30 people and they each have six, five or six goals. Mm -hmm. And then we report that out. It was like, well, if all of this is important, then none of it's important. I mean, it was, it became, you know, just static. Mm -hmm. So we said, what are our most important priorities for the quarter? And we, so we narrowed that approach from 160 down to about anywhere from five to eight goals a quarter. And we decided to put it in the theme to where everybody in the company could at least identify it or see its relevance. Mm -hmm. And so themes, we, we have a very good marketing person that works for us. <laughs> um, we, we, we kind of brainstorm the ideas and then um, what she will do is she will then apply maybe a, 
a series on Netflix or a movie or a magazine and put a picture of one of our employees up. And before you know it, this internal marketing campaign, it's funny. And, and people remember the story and the fun around it. And consequently, they know what our goals are for the theme. You said a couple things that are that are really jumping out at me there, and I think a couple unique twists on that as well. I feel the quote that, you know, when everything's a priority, nothing's a priority, or when everything's important, nothing's important, really resonates with a lot of companies. Taking that from 160 goals, which which that's a that's a monstrous number, and bringing that down to less than 10. But I think the the other thing that I think is cool about that, that hopefully this is a good nugget for the folks listening is that you put a like a memorable theme around it as well and i feel like that's something that even when you might not be directly thinking about it it has that um that trigger that keeps it in mind when you see it come up so kudos to your to your marketing team on that one i i'm gonna go on that a little bit more because you have if i remember right you said your theme for this quarter is around casa health correct right can you dive into that and kind of the two-prong approach to that from both a physical health as well as a business health standpoint? Sure. So when we looked at the quarter, by the way, I need to I need to be upfront with you. These themes aren't my idea. In fact, most of these great ideas I, I have stolen from some other CEO, something I sure. read. An original thought that comes to, to me usually does not find its way into uh, – existence and be successful <laughs> you're not alone with that i think tom <laughs> I, I think tom hanks is uh an actor that has described it as i have stolen a great idea from everyone i've worked with so no shame in that dan there you go there you go um so casa health you're asking about the themes so when we were looking at this quarter before covid hit we were saying okay what should our q2 theme be and we we had had a very good first quarter and we were kind of going to go with a military theme, like Band of Brothers was coming to mind. Let's get together. We're going we're gonna to keep forging on and have a great year. COVID hits, and we called timeout. We said, look, this isn't appropriate anymore. It's not relevant. We really need to pay attention to health. And we were worried about people's physical safety, like you said. But as the fear and anxiety that you would watch on TV and hear in, in different circles come out, we realize, you know, there's an emotional, there's a mental component to this, uh, even a spiritual component, which people get a little bit weird when you're like, hey, I don't want to talk about God with you or my church relationship. <laughs> but the way we define the spiritual piece um, at work is meaning and purpose. So we said, let's look at individual health and let's look at corporate health and let's set some goals around that. Individually, we wanted our people to be mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually healthy. The physical piece is easy because at the time it was all about safety and hygiene in mm -hmm. addition to everything with exercise and eating right and rest and things like that. But we, we set out not to tell people what to do as much as educate, inform, make mm. them aware that mental, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, might be new to many people. And so every single day, what we do is we just put out an email to our team. that is one small thing. It may be a question like, where do you find meaning and purpose at work? What is your emotional state right now? 
What are, what are your stress triggers? Some, something like that. Uh, so some people think they're kind of hokey. Some people think they're great. But I think each person is finding in the one small thing episodes, which we call MEPs, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. Ah. Each person is finding something of value that they can latch on to. And, and by the way, that fulfills our mission. We're just trying to improve lives. Right. Both in, inside the company and outside. Corporate health was all about financial health. You know, the cash, mm-hmm. sales and backlog, execution. Those, those are the four things that we're really focused on right now. So cash, sales, backlog, and executioners, those are, those are the four, right? Yep. I will, I will make sure those are included in the show notes. Why are those the four? I know it might be a very basic question for a CEO, but maybe for someone that's a newer leader at a company, why are those the four that you focus on? Well, it's not the only four. It's just for this theme. Those are the most sure. important ones. Some sure. people might say it's people, product, processes, Mm -hmm. Uh, and other things like that. But we knew cash was going to be tough because we we started seeing the writing on the wall in the crisis that people were going to conserve it. So we said, we've got to watch our cash position. Sales, just from a standpoint of it keeps the engine going. It's it's the lifeblood of of manufacturing. And then execution, we still have customers that need their work done. So execution is almost always a part of of what we're monitoring on a monthly basis. So the, those things are all really, really important to us. We monitor those, but it was mainly financial health. We wanted to keep the company healthy, that healthy balance sheet I talked about earlier. So we really honed in on those four areas. Another, and maybe this is just me picking it up, but there's also a, a present and urgent value to it, but there's also a forward-looking element to that as well when you're taking a look at the backlog as well. It's all certainly immediate health, especially during times like these is a big focus, but that it, it sounds like you're not taking the eye off the ball on what's coming down the line. Exactly. That's, again, so our backlog, we had a healthy backlog going mm-hmm. into uh, 2020 and even after Q1, our backlog looked pretty good. But the tough thing was customers start delaying projects and eh, maybe we're not going to have that project move forward anymore. So the backlog and the sales piece, you could kind of lump them together, but we have some metrics in place to where we know what a healthy backlog is. And so we just monitor that every day. We have these daily huddles where we're constantly looking at those themes, as well as the MEPS piece, the individual health, Mm -hmm. where we're just getting feedback from the employees. Is it making a difference? We'll be right back, right after a word from our sponsor. This episode of Manufacturing Happy Hour is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the world's largest electronic library of audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. And because you listening to this amazing, amazing podcast, we're giving you one free audiobook when you sign up for your first trial of Audible. You can do that by going to audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod. Now, why would you want to do such a thing? 
Well, let's be honest. These podcasts only last about 30 minutes to an hour, but audiobooks give you much more listening pleasure beyond that. So when you wrap up your episode of Manufacturing Happy Hour, you can tune in to the audiobook of your choosing on Audible. You get a new credit every month, so that's a new book a month. And for me, that's where I get my leadership books. That's where I get my non-leadership books. That's where I get my rock and roll books. That's where I get my fiction. Anything I want to read, typically, I'm going to Audible to get it. Again, you can claim your free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod. And now, let's get back to today's episode. One, one question I have, since we're about two months into this disruption at this point, I know a lot of people are wondering, you know, how do I still meet with customers? How do I still influence and inform on on what my company does is there something you've learned over the past two months that's been helpful as it relates to sales or really any of the four metrics that you just mentioned you know it's interesting uh customers want to talk they answer the phone i I have found it is much easier and i don't know if it's because everybody's working remotely or we're all in this together but I just had a call this morning. I called a plant manager and an automotive plant. They picked up on the second ring. I called their cell phone. And this is a person I talked to maybe once a year and had a five minute conversation with them. Very, very busy person, but people just are willing to talk. I I was completely surprised um, by that in the crisis. I've been sensing a little bit of that too, and and there are a number of factors, you're right, that could be the all in this together, people having time. I know a lot of people that are busier than ever right now too, that this is creating new work that they never expected, new business opportunities. But I wonder if part of it is just a humility as well that's maybe a little newer to the industry than I've seen before, where people recognize that hey, maybe I don't have all the answers. Maybe all this digital transformation stuff I've heard about, maybe there is some value to that, especially when we are in very much an all-digital working environment right now. I'm just spitballing some of my thoughts as well, but it's it's I, I haven't quite put the finger on it, but I like the things you added to that. I think people are just slowing down. It's forced us to kind of slow down. Even though we're having all these meetings using Zoom or Teams or whatever tool it is, People are just kinder is what I've experienced. There isn't, they're not as demanding or unreasonable or I've just experienced that. Now you turn on the TV and you may see something the opposite. Sure. Yeah. Again, (laughs) that's my experience is that people are just wanting to spend time with others and maybe it's the isolation that's caused that. So they're, they're quick to answer at least my phone call. Another great point. I mean, I've uh, personally, I've reflected on the fact that I'm not packing or unpacking a bag like every week, every other (laughs) week right now like that, you know, thinking of all the time and the little bit of stress that goes into getting to and from the airport, getting through traffic like there, there is not only like, I mean, that that frees up a ton of time, but it frees up a lot of energy, too. Well, this I, I appreciate that we were able to get off on this little tangent there for a bit. I've got a couple other questions as we're as we're starting to get towards the end of the interview, reflecting on this crisis, and I'm sure plenty of other challenging situations you've been in before as CEO. What's one of the best pieces of leadership advice that you've received that has helped weather this storm? Hmm. I think it's it's been 
it, it's it's okay you know emotionally it's okay to be scared it's okay to laugh through this mm-hmm. i actually had someone who reported to me you know as a ceo i was talking about those culture dialogues earlier mm-hmm. i didn't want to have those tough conversations with those employees <laughs> I, I i knew what their questions were going to be mm-hmm. we knew what the elephant in the room was i just didn't want to do it I, we're trying to figure out all the safety and hygiene rules and what's happening with our customers. I just didn't want to hear it. I was kind of afraid of it. But one of the people that reported to me said, you should be doing this every day. You should be talking to your employees every day. And really encouraged me to continue with the culture dialogues and even increase their frequency. So we did a couple and they were difficult. But after two, I said, you were exactly right. I don't know why I was avoiding this because we were getting what was meaningful to the people in the organization. And we took that and then we just updated them every night with our nightly email updates on COVID and got more good feedback. Thank you for telling us what's going on. So what's funny is I pride myself on great communication and transparency, mm-hmm. but, but I wasn't doing it until I started being more transparent and communicating more frequently. <laughs> and um, so it was kind of an eye opener to me that I, I thought I was doing it, but I wasn't. So the best advice I got was, I guess, from one of my followers. That's amazing. Yeah, I think I think we've all picked up some things about our, our leadership style along the way as this has, has gone on. And it's kind of in line with an, another question I wanted to ask you right after this is, you're talking about the culture dialogues. I, by the way, I love the the emails with the one question as well. I, I think from you, you know, you talked about reducing the amount of goals from over 160 to less than 10. You keep your email simple with like one question people can ask. It makes it real easy to respond. I think that simplification is fantastic. Maybe in addition to what you just mentioned about those conversations with employees, what's another best practice that you think you'll continue that you've learned during this time that as things returned to normal or our new normal that you'll continue to practice. Yeah, I bet everybody else could say this, but the remote work has actually gone pretty well. Productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're hearing people say that they're more productive than ever. I've even heard the words I'm thriving through this. Mm-hmm. So that may be based upon personality because, because some of us really get energy from others, but we We've got a lot of introverts that are working from home and they're cranking out a lot of work and they're telling us that. So I imagine going forward that remote work is going to stick for for us, maybe not five days a week, but there may be some hybrid approach. I've also noticed that the meetings we're having online, they're just um, they're more efficient. We get to the topic at hand. We... They just send the, They seem to end sooner. And I've asked other people about this, and they're like, yep, the meetings don't take as long. We get to it. So I imagine there will be some form of meetings being online as well. I can't really put my finger on why that is. Now, what I'm nervous about is that culture is very important. That means we need to be together. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to figure out what this looks like. But I know there's going to be some form of online work using video tools and and other tools that's going to stick going forward. 
I'm crossing my fingers that there's going to be a nice balance because the amount of people, this is as much a personal answer as it is a business answer, but I've been able to connect with so many more people across the country, you know, whether it's grade school friends or whether it's people that are in our industry up in Canada, down in Latin America, on the East Coast. I mean, I'm just having so much more regular dialogue with those folks that I'm, cr and, and, and you're right, the efficiency is is a big piece too. Like I'm able to jump into meetings that, you know, I probably wouldn't have had the time to do all in the same day in the right. past as well. So it's been super nice from that regard. As an extrovert, I'm certainly starting <laughs> to feel, I know you said your introverts are thriving, but man, I, I really could go for a live concert whenever it's safe to like be in a uh, a room with a ton of people again, but that might be a while, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the pain on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I would love to be at blue sky right now having this conversation yeah, over a cocktail yeah. or a beer. Well, you, you've hit a, on a ton of great topics and there, I mean, th this conversation could have gone so many directions, but I think it's very pertinent for the, the time that we're in today. As we start to wrap up, what's one question that you wish I would have asked you that I haven't yet? Hmm. Chris, you've asked the perfect questions. I mean, <laughs> you've obviously done this, done this before. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go that far, but I appreciate the accolades. <laughs> you know, that's a question we ask people who we interview. What's the one really? thing we didn't ask you that, that you would have wished you could have answered? Yeah. It's always interesting to hear what they say. But Well, in that case, what are what are some of the answers you've heard there? What are some of the things that pop up? Any common themes or any ones that were just totally like out there that you never expected? No. Most people do what <laughs> I did, which is freeze yeah. in the moment and say, oh, I can't think of anything. All right. All right. That's fair. That's fair. I've By the way, I learned that from another podcaster a while back, and I incorporate that into almost any conversation now it's great in sales meetings as well it's uh, as much as it is at towards the end of a podcast so i i do have an easier one to lob up for you before we call it a day what's next for you and casa what are some things you're excited to highlight about uh the company and things you have coming up you know it's interesting so our focus is really narrowed to short term but we still talk about our long-term plans um, long-term goals, strategies. We had a strategic meeting yesterday with our team and we said, okay, just for a moment, let's quit thinking COVID and let's, let's try to put ourselves out there even nine months and, and, and get back to some, some strategy. And so with our company, we're, we're getting involved with other industries. We've, we're heavy in automotive, and it's been a very good industry for us. But um, mm -hmm. food and beverage is something that we believe we can we can really add value to. The baggage handling industry is something where we know we can add value to, and, and we're bidding many baggage projects today. Acquisitions are on the table, but I just said it takes cash, and we're in a cash crunch right now, so I don't see those being anytime soon. But you never know. In these tough times... You just never know what might come available. And I feel the same way about people and talent. We continue to interview. We just hired somebody this week, um, a great uh, controls engineer that will be working remotely for us and helping us on automotive and baggage handling projects. Um, I was really excited to meet him virtually on Monday in a new employee orientation. So. Um, we continue to say, you know, right now is really difficult. There are some brutal facts from this crisis that we have to confront, but there's definitely hope and we're going to be okay. It's not going to be easy, 
but um, we would we'd be silly to not be thinking about what does it look like after this is all over. Great way to put a bow on this. I like the optimistic uh, in manufacturing happy hour terms, the glass half full outlook on uh, on what's coming up next. Your focus on people balanced by your focus on the business has been great. I hope the manufacturing leaders listening to this have taken a ton of good information away from this. And Dan, I hope this is not the last conversation we have. I hope next time it is, in fact, at a brewery when uh, when we do get to chat again. Awesome. My glass is empty, by the way. <laughs> well, I'm done. <laughs> uh, literally empty. That's the sign of a good interview, though. So, Dan, it was a pleasure having you on. Looking forward to chatting soon. Chris enjoyed it. Thank you. Hey, thanks a ton for listening. And a big thanks to Dan and Casa for appearing on today's show. Hopefully Dan and I do get a chance to enjoy that beer together sometime because I would love to talk more about their business around what they're doing in the automation space at a future time. But if you'd like to check that out, make sure to go to casacompanies.com or connect with them on LinkedIn to see what Dan and his team are all about. If you'd like to access those links or any of the other resources mentioned in the show, make sure to check out our show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 18. That's one eight. Since this is episode 18, it'll take you straight to everything we talked about, as well as links to the episode so you can share it with your friends. Speaking of sharing with friends, I'd love it if you shared your feedback as well. If you could, please head to Apple Podcasts to leave a short rating and review for this show. You can do that by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. That'll take you right there, whether you're on your smartphone or whether you're on your desktop. And reviews can be as short as like one sentence, doesn't need to be long. The five-star rating button, that's pretty easy to do. But if you have the time and you're loving what you're hearing, I'd greatly appreciate it as it helps continue to get this show in the ears of more manufacturing all-stars like you. One final thanks to our sponsor today, Audible. Audible is the largest library of audiobooks and spoken word entertainment, and whether I'm on the road, on a plane, or running through Golden Gate Park, that is where I'm getting my audiobooks, whether that's fiction, nonfiction, biographies, business books, I'm listening to it all, and you can get your free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod. Thanks again, Audible. In the meantime, that's it for this week. More great content coming your way. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you got some actionable advice from it. And we will make sure to provide more great content for your ears moving forward. Stay innovative. Stay thirsty. We'll catch you back here next time. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.